Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, this is Howl History, back at you once again, Derek Harper, Chad Cox, here to talk on a very somber draft night in 2021. Chad, how you doing this evening? Uh, I was better last last year's draft. Last year's draft was a blast. <laughs> this one hasn't been as fun if you're a Wolves fan. One could, the only participation we had was less than desirable. We uh, So the Wolves had no draft picks tonight, in case anybody listening to this is unaware of that. So no first round picks, no second round picks. Uh, we are recording this while the second round is going on. Uh, pick 43 was just traded uh to Portland from New Orleans. So if anything pops up Wolves-wise here in the, at the end of this, we'll do some live reactions uh, if, if we're able to. Um, or if we're still going strong when any undrafted free agents get signed post-draft, we'll, we'll talk about those at the time as well. But uh, ultimately, the main Wolves news tonight is that our, our Minnesota's favorite son, Timberwolves, hope for what's been a decade now, uh, Ricky Rubio, has been traded away for the second time uh, instead of a, a first-round pick like the Wolves got from Utah a few years ago, the first time they traded him away. Uh, the Wolves traded away Ricky Rubio for T- Torian Prince, uh, cash, and a 2022 second-round pick, which is not exactly the big, exciting return we've been dreaming about for months, Chad, with some of these power forward names we've been talking about. No, I mean, I, I was, you know, at worst-case scenario, thinking it was going to be Kyle Kuzma as the possibility of coming back for Ricky, which I would have also not been... Mm-hmm super excited about but Torian Prince I mean I don't have anything against him as a player I'm just not all that excited about him as a player either for for this team it's just kind of another tweener forward um he can shoot the three a little bit I don't know if he's that much of an upgrade on defense from well I don't think he's an upgrade at all over Vanderbilt on defense and I don't know that he's even a marked improvement over Wancho either so I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other for him I mean I could be swayed once I see him with the group but I definitely I'll never be as excited about him as I was about Ricky Rubio even with Ricky Rubio having the worst year of his career last year I get all that um I just he still I think brought something to the team you know with with the ant development and and all that kind of stuff that I think still had some value here and at worst I still thought it's his contract was a value that could be turned into a bigger deal. Now, part of this scenario is we have no idea what else this is going to lead to because it does free up, you know, around $5 million in cap space. So whether that's just to be used on a mid-level type signing or another trade, you know, bringing back a little more money in a deal for Beasley or something where you get a more expensive player, I, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe then it'll all make sense. But right now, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah, I mean, so like you said, let's talk about the positives first before we really dive into our true feelings. <laughs> uh, so the Wolves are bringing on, like you said, a tweener forward, a, a guy named Intorian Prince who has played power forward quite a bit over the last two years for different teams. This is his fifth year. I think he's played five years in the league, started in Atlanta for a few years, uh, spent a little bit of time in uh, Brooklyn before being traded to Cleveland to close out last year. Um, he is a very good a uh, spot-up shooter as a power forward if he's going to play a stretch role for you there. He's about a 40% uh, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, um, so he can play that role. Uh, he's not oversized by any means. He's just under 6'8", uh, but he does have a good 6'11 and a half wingspan. At least he did at the Combine. Um, so he's, But he's nothing incredibly special. He's a career 37% three-point shooter, but he's a 41% 
field goal shooter. So it's not like he's banging down low. It's not like he's a, an interior presence. He's just a shooter. So if you want to consider him, if you want to consider him a Jay Crowder type player, you can on offense at least. But defensively, yeah, he's, he's, he's not like, going to give you that. Yeah, he's Jay Crowder without the toughness. I yeah. think um, you know he's. I don't know that he's going to add the that the, the parts of Jay Crowder's game that we like so much, or at least I like so much. Mm-hmm. I've been a big Crowder fan for a long time. I don't think that's what we're going to get in Prince. No, um, I don't think so either. And I think we would be vastly disappointed if Torian Prince coming in means that he's a starting power forward heading into this season. Yeah, it, it, you know, but I don't know. Somebody else on Twitter, it might have been Dane, mentioned that of the power forward acquisitions that Rosas has made, whether it was, um, you know, Wancho or mm-hmm. I mean, Jake Lehman's kind of even the you know, in that tweener forward role. Well, and forcing um, Covington to play that position too. And Covington in that role. They, they, he, he, it does feel like he has a type. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's like you can't be taller than 6'8". Um, you, you know, you shoot threes. That's your primary contribution on offense. And whether or not you play defense, it doesn't matter or not. Because, yeah. you know, obviously Robert Horry is a all-world defender and the rest of them are mediocre at best defenders. So... It's like Ron it's, Swanson on Parks and Rec having two ex-wives both named Tammy. So we had to call him Tammy 1 and Tammy 2. I, did, I, I didn't watch enough of that show to know that. It's <laughs> kind of funny because what was the other show with um, the gal from uh, Seinfeld, the new Christine? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was that guy's bet too, right? He's mm-hmm. married to two Christines. <laughs> so, so that's kind of funny. Now, There's yeah. Two shows are on that same era, same gimmick. Um, yeah, so it is weird, uh, you know. Like he just he has like it pounded his head, which is a little frustrating for me because as I keep toting, my belief is that you need to get bigger mm-hmm. to get better defensively, um, unless you're going to have all these guys take huge jumps on the defense end of the ball, and I don't think you're going to see that. You know, you're going to you might see it from Ant because he's only got one year in there, but Dilo kind of is what he is on defense. Cat was better this year. But it wasn't like he took this huge stride that he was unrecognizable on defense. So he kind of is what he is. You know, Jane McDaniel's a very good defender. You know, where does where does he fit now? Is he going to be a starter, or are they going to give him one more year coming off the bench, or start the year have him coming off the bench and have Prince starting at the three and having Vanderbilt starting at the four? And who knows? You know, but it just um, I wanted to see them get more like a six nine, six ten, six eleven. Or get a center and move Cat to to the four. Yep. Um. So, some somebody it's a little more interchangeable there. I mean, heck, I'd rather just have Nas start at the four than have Prince. I yeah. think Nas can shoot the three every bit as well, and he's going to rebound better. And you know, I just I like Nas better. I, I like his game better. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think switching one to four is fine, but everybody in Minnesota is tired of watching Cat in a drop scheme. You know, yeah. and if he's the if he's the only big out there, it's what he's going to be stuck doing. He's not going to be able to switch out onto the perimeter because his the guys he's switching with aren't going to be go, able to go down low. And it, it's the unicorns of the league that end up winning this thing, right? It's the Giannis or the Anthony Davises or the guys that can come in with skill and size. It's not just skill. It's not just size. So you can't take one or the other. And if you're going to have to take one or the other, you take skill. You'd rather put five, six, seven guys out there that can pass the ball and move the ball and defend around the perimeter and, and switch and whatever it happens to be. So that's kind of what Golden State tried to do with their death lineup. But the league is not moving just to skill. It's moving to skilled size. So 
if the Wolves have the option or the ability to ever make a move to bring in somebody that has size and the ability to do, to do those things, that's where they should be going. And I understand that's a tall task. That's a big ask for a team that doesn't have really have any tradable assets. Or, like we said, they didn't have any picks in, in the draft tonight, so asking them to create something out of nothing is not an easy an easy request. But with how big they talk, with how often they're rumored to be in these trade discussions, and when they say that their number one avenue from improvement is going to be trades and sign-in trades and making sure that they're involved in every single deal, this is just going to be like, well, eventually you have to do something. You know, you can't make a D'Angelo Russell trade two years ago and then sit on your hands for two years and just continue to talk about how aggressive you're going to be. Yeah, I mean, and that's, to me, that is the frustrating part about the asset we sent out because, you know, I who knows what the rest of the league thinks of Ricky Rubio, but look, that's the, there's two guys that we've been hearing trade rumors about this week in, in terms of the Wolves. Mm-hmm. There's Ricky Rubio about teams being, some teams being interested in him, a handful, not, it's not like there's, Olympic star Ricky Rubio, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then the other one is Jade McDaniels that we've heard that there's been a lot of calls on, but the Wolves aren't really entertaining anything there, which makes sense. So if if that's true and there's teams interested, I can't imagine the best offer you got was Torian Prince, unless that Torian Prince offer allows you to be flexible enough to do whatever the real move is that you want to do. Maybe it's Larry Nance, you know, because, you know, you just made that deal with Cleveland and maybe they're, I don't know. I don't know what, what it looks like. Um, but I just, it'll be super underwhelming if this is our big mm-hmm. trade. And then, you know, you free up enough money to sign a mid-level guy and you're just going out and I don't even know who they would target at that point then because it's all the guys we kind of looked at were power forwards. And if Prince is one of your power forwards and you still have Vanderbilt and you, you have all these guys, now all of a sudden you're just doing what your power forward position, kind of what you did with your shooting guard position. You just add a bunch of guys that look the part and hope one of them actually is the part. Right. You know, and as you mentioned earlier, and you alluded to in your last point, the Wolves did free up about $5 million in in space underneath the luxury tax for this upcoming season with this deal. Um, so they'll have just over $10 million available, uh, which if they were to forego bringing over Leandro Barmero would be enough to sign a guy to a full the full mid-level extension. Um, so they could bring in any number of free agents who might be looking to to get an offer. Um, Balmero coming over, I think, has seemed like a certainty for a number of months now. So that will most likely cut about $2.5 off of it, leaving the Wolves at about $7.5 So I don't know um, exactly what their intentions are with that money. Like you said, they could either go out and try to sign somebody to a large chunk of that mid-level exception, a uh, a veteran, and they could uh, even get the full mid-level if they also... They can make another to, move. You know, they they can move Layman easily for you know a uh, second-round pick down the road or well, something. Well, they were also rumored to be talking, trying to figure out a way to move Jarrett Culver for a second-round pick tonight, too. So with 15 or so picks left, we'll see if they're able to pull that off. Um, you know, it, with Prince coming in, he's largely plays the same or similar role that Wancho played on this team last year, so who knows if he wants to be around next year, especially with the the brouhaha that happened with him and the team and, and his uh, Olympic availability. Uh, Minnesota, the Timberwolves deciding that he wasn't cleared to play because of his dislocated shoulder and to the Spain team saying that he was healthy. So I, it sounded like he wasn't super happy with that. So who knows if he's around back next year, especially when his big proponent was Ricky Rubio, you know, being another guy from Spain. So um, it seems like there could be some churn here in, on the be- in the bench spots. Um, but like you said, if, if Prince is the big name, if that's it at the power forward spot, 
then we're in no better position than we were last year, and that's very disappointing. Maybe weaker because now we don't have a a real point guard backup. You know, I like Jordan McLaughlin a lot. I like Jalen Noel a lot, but neither of those are going to bring the stability at point guard that Ricky brought. Mm-hmm. Even even in Ricky's worst year as a pro, it was it was better in terms of you know stability and running the team and and sort of that leadership quality that he brought that that those guys just don't have they're not as you know experienced yet so uh, i i think just just that move right now it's at best a push and possibly could be a slight downgrade to your bench um if you know like you said if prince is your starter now you you've weakened your bench to not really improve your starting a starting position yeah and you know they like we said they have that money to work with maybe they go out and offer a couple years to a guy like Goran Dragic who's nearing the end of his career I don't know if that's you know exactly going to improve them as a team he's probably at this point similar in skill to what Ricky showed last year I was I was heading into the upcoming season assuming that Ricky would improve from what we saw last year based off of his COVID experience heading into the year and the, the way that he kind of found a groove near the end of the season. So I was expecting a better rookie in, in 2021 than we got in the previous, in the previous season. But um, if you could bring in a veteran point guard to be that second option, especially with McLaughlin, not guaranteed to be back. I don't, you know, maybe that's the way you solve that. But like you said, we didn't improve a power forward tonight. We, we've got more depth, which is great. Um, especially depth that can shoot the ball. But if he, and if he's a, a bench option, if he's a guy that can come off, you know, uh, the bench with the second unit and kind of provide more spacing, more shooting, and a little bit more offensive firepower. That's that's great. But um, at this point, we already had Wancho and Nas coming off the bench at the four and five. So do you need that type of role? And now that we had a Jake Lehman, who we weren't even using, mm-hmm. who who can do a lot of those same things that Prince does, and is roughly the same size. Yeah. So I just that part's why it's a head scratcher. You know, again, it, it's very little to do with. Torian Prince as it is to do with what does Torian Prince give us that we didn't already have? Why give up an asset for a guy that is kind of somewhere between Jake Lehman and Wancho? You know, it's just, it's, it is confusing to me. And, you know, even with whatever the other move is, I mean, so we're anticipating that there's going to be another move and we're assuming it's going to be for a power forward, but that even in some ways almost makes it more puzzling because now you have one more forward to add to the mix and one less point guard. So it's just, you have a bunch of guys, you know, you know, hopefully that the next acquisition is a clear cut starter, but you know, who knows? They, maybe it's to free up money so they can do a sign and trade for Lori Markkinen, who's been rumored mm-hmm. to be interested, but does that make us a, a whole heck of a lot better? I mean, it's more uh, exciting yeah. than Torian Prince. That's for sure. It's a hundred percent more exciting um, but we're not better on defense. Yeah, you, you have another shooter out there, which is, um, I think, what the playoffs this year have shown is you can't just win with a bunch of three-point shooters. No. You know, that, that yeah. you have to have, you know, I mean, Milwaukee's got a lot of three-point shooters, but guess what? Every one of them knows how to play defense. And that, to me, was the more, the bigger key ingredient to their success than just a bunch of guys who could shoot threes, mm-hmm. so... So, you know, that if we're getting something that we didn't have before, it seems to be like the three-point shooting, as we were talking about. Wancho last year shot under 33% from three, and he was supposed to be our our stretch big um, at the power forward position. Jake, 
Jake Lehman has always been known as more of a cutter and less of a, an outside shooter. So it seems like they valued that in this move. Um, you know, one of the problems with with Torian Prince, you know, it, it, on top of everything else that we mentioned before, is that he's not very reliable from a health standpoint. He played 82 games his second season, but besides that, he's never played more than 64 games in a season. Um, so he's he's missed significant chunks of every year of basically every year in the league. So well, that fits this team, right? Yeah, as we all we need more guys who are injury prone. That'll yeah. that'll help a lot. Um, but that's the big news. That's the big trade of the night, Chad. And uh, I want to say for the second time to Ricky, every step I take, every move I make, every single day, every time I pray, I'll be missing you. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, th- I thought you forgot about that. No, I never okay, forgot I for- about it. <laughs> <laughs> I brought up lots of bits that I've forgotten about or dropped after one episode. This one's not going away, though. <laughs> so, I don't th- I don't think Ricky's coming back a third time, Chad. God, I hope so. That would be great if he could <laughs> I, Yeah, I mean, I, well, just a few episodes ago when we were talking about, like, what what the, some of the Wolves' possible moves could be in the offseason, and I was still believing that the two moves they made last year – Signing, re-signing Beasley and trading for Ricky. Of the two, I was convinced that Beasley was was the one piece that, and I that part could still be true. But I thought Ricky was no. They're not just getting him because he's going to be an expiring next year, and they can use him at the trade deadline then mm-hmm. when he may hold the most value because the team might have lost a point guard, and you got this veteran who's been to the playoffs and who's coming on an expiring, so you can get him just for the remainder of the season and all that kind of stuff. But I actually thought, nope, the Wolves are they're serious here. They're gonna keep him around. He's gonna be he's gonna re sign with the Wolves when this deal expires and finish out his career here. I was I was totally drinking that Kool-Aid and buying into that and thought, you know, the Beasley was the asset that they would try to flip to to get their power forward. Um but here we are. Now now we don't have we don't have Ricky and we don't really have our power forward solved. So I know. <laughs> I mean and that's the thing, I don't know if Torian Prince can be combined with any other contracts in a, in a trade moving forward. I know the Wolves are over the cap, so sometimes that makes it a little bit more difficult. But they're also the new league year is starting in a few days, so uh, that's something I haven't dived into yet to quite understand if he can be uh, combined for a larger trade, a larger deal. If you wanted to put him and Beasley into the same deal to have a, a little less contract size than Rubio yeah, yeah. and Beasley, I think he probably can because I think technically this deal can't be like official until like the sixth i think it no this was one that i saw it could be official because it worked by like fifty thousand dollars or something oh, really? like it okay. just fit in for the actual numbers that of the current league year so um so this one can be official tonight um so like i said maybe when the the league year switches over here early in august i think august 6th is the day that the moratorium will end on free agent acquisitions and everybody can start signing their new deals um maybe there he can he's a new contract then and he can be uh, combined with other players, and they can go after another big fish. And this contract size makes more sense than Rubio's eighteen million. Maybe that was proving too difficult to include in trades, but uh, it's—I don't know. It, right at the point right now, it doesn't feel like they got better. And if they're not going to get better, if they're going to remain the same, I'd read just rather cheer for a team with Ricky Rubio on it. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> well, you have that. Uh, you can you can roll it back to Ricky and Kevin Love. I can. I had. I told my wife. Uh, I broke the news to her that Ricky had gotten traded by saying that her dream of uh, Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love sharing an apartment together can come true again. 
<laughs> back when they were, I know, back when they were on the team, that was always that's how she got to watch. She thought she just assumed they were uh, young guys who were best friends and got some pizza on the weekend nights when they weren't playing and watched some basketball together and just shared an apartment. So the, walking around Target and you know, loves yep. pushing the cart. Ricky's riding in it. Exactly. <laughs> Getting their college dorm room supplies, their cheap stuff from Target to furnish their apartment. So that's a that's a little dream that she had. But well, Rubio's gone, but it wasn't the only trade of the night. It wasn't even the biggest trade of the night. Luckily, because it wasn't that big of a trade league wide, the biggest newsmaker of the evening happened to be Russell Westbrook on a previously considered untradeable contract, being traded for the third time in four years. Uh, he is going from Washington to the L.A. Lakers to form a big three with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook will be traded with two future second-round picks for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, who picked up his team option for the upcoming year for the earlier in the day, and uh, the 22nd pick from tonight's draft. So um, not a huge return for a guy that's a former MVP, but from where Westbrook has been over the past few years and the size of that contract to actually get back shooters and legitimate players to that fit well around Bradley Beal is quite the return for Washington. Yeah, I think Washington did well there. I mean, you get Montrezl Harrell, who's a pretty, pretty good player still, I think. Um, and you get, you know, KCP, I don't know what his role is there with, with Beal. Um, but I don't know what Kuzma's role is either. He's a bench big at this point for them too. So he is. Yep. But he was a bench big in LA as well. So, you know, We'll see what his role is there. I, I think he probably has a bigger role than KCP. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, uh, you know, Westbrook certainly uh, of diminishing returns at this point in his career. Um, I, you know, I kind of like it for LA as well. I, you know, I'm not, I, I know a lot, a lot of people were. I mean, you, of, you have a limited time frame. They're, they got to go for something. And it was either their options seem to be bringing on Westbrook or going for uh, Sacramento guy. What's his name? Um, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, yep. yep. Buddy and Buddy Heald would have given them the spacing that, it, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter, Twitterverse thinks they need. Uh, I I mean, it definitely is problematic for the spacing, don't get me wrong. But on the same token, Davis can shoot. And yep. you got LeBron James. You don't need spacing with LeBron James. LeBron, A, he can shoot when he needs to. He can, I mean, he's he's LeBron freaking James. You don't, like, I, I don't think that's really going to be that much of an issue. Um, I actually think LeBron and Westbrook together are kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if LeBron think, and Rondo could succeed in the finals, LeBron and Westbrook can, can succeed together. Yeah. yeah. What I what I really like is if the two teams I, in the league I hate most, mm-hmm. L.A. and Brooklyn, end up in the finals, what a story that'll be because we'll have Durant mm-hmm. and LeBron's former running mate against LeBron and Durant's former running mate. Yep. It's just so sweet. With James Harden, who played with Westbrook and Durant, just chilling over there, trying to win his first title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Davis trying to win his first, you know, Second. coming over as... Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he did win one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But still, you got an interesting storyline there. I think that's... I, I hope neither of those teams are in the finals, but... Right, and it'll be fun to cheer against both of them. Right. I mean, it will be kind of... I probably won't watch watch it as intently as I watch this year's finals, yeah. if those are the two teams in there. But I, I'll definitely tune in those first couple of games to see if there's any you know, chippiness between the you know the foursome there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, I mean, that was the big trade of the night. That was the one that came down before the draft even started and led everybody what, to what believe you, that. 
Do you like that trade for them, or do you not? For the Lakers? I mean, I I don't like... Either team. Sure, I like it for... I like it fine for both teams. I am not of high opinion of Kuzma and KCP. I think their replacement-level players are slightly above their replacement-level players that have gotten too big of a reputation by playing for the Lakers. You know, if Kuzma had been traded to... If Kuzma and Harrell had been traded to Washington... Or not Washington, to uh, Sacramento for Heald and had just had to go toil in obscurity for the next few years, we wouldn't hear about Kuzma again until no. he went to a new team. So, And I 100% agree on Kuzma. Because yeah. Kuzma was, you know, the Lakers feel like they discovered him, and they were trying to sell him as, like, the next big thing mm-hmm. early when they didn't have anything else there anyway. Um, but I think Harrell and KCP, their stock actually dropped when they went to L.A. Uh, or to the Lakers. In Harrell's case, he was already in L.A. But I think KCP was a better player and better regarded before he went to L.A. Personally, not you know, not that he was a star. But it's I possible. Think, you know, I mean, he started in Detroit and spent a little bit yeah. of time there, and he he had a trouble kind of finding his spot, and he really found it as that like third best player on the title team in the bubble when he really stepped up as a, a wing creator, he, which he wasn't able to continue into last season after he got a new contract. So I I like him. I think he's a fine wing, and and replacement level was a. a Bad choice no, no, words I, earlier. No, but, I get what you're saying, and I'm not offended by yeah. the slightly above replacement level for him. I just don't like I because I, I totally get what you're saying about you know the Lakers shine. If mm-hmm. you play for the Lakers, all of a sudden you're 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 looked at it in a different light, you know. And it's like you know if Carl Anthony Towns went to LA, I mean da- Anthony Davis, oddly enough, is another one. I feel like his shine is a little tarnished going to LA, right? Because and and part of it's the LA factor the Laker factor. The other part of it's the LeBron factor. LeBron sucks up so much of the attention he does. that everybody else kind of feels like, Oh, you're just sort of this, you know, anybody could step into your shoes and help LeBron win a title, which isn't the case at, at least at this point in LeBron's career. Once upon a time, that might've been true, but today LeBron needs help. Um, so, but I, I do think Kuzma was overrated a couple years ago. I do think he's a little bit underrated now just because I think a lot of people kind of crap on him for, for what, you know, you said, I mean, he, he's not, like you said, he's not a great player. He is slightly above replacement, but you'll, you see how people roast him on Twitter and you think he's just a load of crap. And he's yeah. not, he's not a horrible player. He's not Jarrett Culver, no. <laughs> he's, but he, um, but he's not, you know, I don't even know. Brendan Ingram or something either you know he's he's definitely sort of a tweener whether he's a starter or a six-man kind of guy yeah so Uh, I mean I think they were all bench guys I think that all three that went to to Washington were bench guys and then but you think Carroll I I mean I know they got Bryant in Washington I think they have like three centers right now that they need to figure out they already had too many bigs on that team and they need to figure out how that's going to play out with the two new ones they brought on but Carroll by himself I think he's a starter on most teams you know, he's not. Um, you know, he's not going to be your the best player on a contending team, but mm-hmm. I think he's a starter on most teams. Well, and then they went out and they drafted Isaiah Jackson with the twenty second pick, who's a six ten center out of Kentucky. So they brought on another big. So I think they have some some pairing down to do uh, as a team to figure out how that front court's going to work out. But you know, at the same time, we said the same thing about Atlanta coming into this last season. And they ended up having exactly the same the number of bigs that they needed to make it through the the playoffs. So, and then um, there's other teams like Phoenix who they could have used one more big in yeah, the finals. Exactly. 
So I, I don't. You probably can't have too many bigs, but you can have too many bigs that all expect minutes for their progression. Oh, I get that. Yeah. So if you have a mix of veterans and young guys, it works better than just a lot of young guys or a guy like Harrell who, even if he's not going to be asking for 36 minutes a night, he's still going to be asking for his 25 to 30, you know, for his role. So um, he's got one year left on his deal, and I don't know if he would have opted in if he thought he was going to go to a team that was going to just sit him for, for youth or whatever that happened to be. So um, so I, I think I like it from Washington's point of view fine. I don't think that Westbrook was going to catch a lot, especially at that salary. It's hard to put the salaries together to bring – you know, somebody making $43 million a year back. Um, you know, the Wolves would, I don't know if the Wolves would even be able to get there unless they included D'Angelo Russell plus, you know, so it would be tough to put together salaries like that. And it's something that the Lakers just happen to have because when you win a championship, guys are going to be get overpaid, you know, through the process. All of a sudden you, they had three guys sitting there on those mid-level Ricky Rubio, Malik Beasley type, type, type contracts, and they were able to pull the deal off. And for them, for the Lakers, it's either going to work and they're going to be right in the running again this upcoming year, or it's going to blow up in their face because Westbrook and LeBron are eventually going to hit that wall. And who knows if it's going to happen this year or the year after or the year after that. If it's if they make it through the next two years and both of them stay healthy and they get into the playoffs, then it'll work great. So Well, and they're a team that's going to be short on big. Whether I don't know if there's a way they can keep drumming now, but Davis is going to miss 20, 30, 40 games because mm-hmm. he always does. And that's it for bigs now. You don't have Kuzma. You don't have Harrell. You don't, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do, um, you know, if you don't. I think they still them. have Marcus Gasol, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. So you, have, so, you have, yeah. so you have a shell of Marcus Gasol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love Marcus Gasol for what I love he him was. too, but even in, for Spain in the Olympics, Marcus Gasol doesn't look healthy. Like No. I mean, Rubio's carrying that team right now. Yeah. Powell looks better than Mark right now. Yeah. And we just, Rubio's carrying that team, and we just traded him for Torian Prince. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, lovely. Uh, That was the only other big trade of the night. Uh, There were a couple other small ones, I think. One of the Plumleys got traded. Who knows which one? Doesn't (laughs) matter. One of the the Plumleys. There was a trade a few days ago, uh, a semi-sizable trade between New Orleans and Memphis. New Orleans got off some some salary by sending Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams to Memphis for Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, New Orleans had to move back in both the first and second rounds to do so uh, in tonight's draft. So um, some quality players going both directions. I know Minnesota fans have nightmares right now of Jonas Valanciunas and that Memphis team kind of beasting uh the timberwolves front line so i'm yeah. kind of glad to see yeah, him all go. they did is all they did is replace him with the other guy that beast Minnesota front line and steven adams so. yeah but at the same time like minnesota went three and zero against new orleans last year so there aren't those, those immediate nightmares of playing against eric bledsoe and steven adams that's not scaring anybody to you know when they try to go to sleep right now but that that memphis team is just was never fun to go against and it's not just jonas valanciunas they had a whole no, team of those types of guys of but yeah yeah they always are they always kind of big brother of the wolves. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, when I first saw that trade, I was like, what? Cause I couldn't believe Memphis would give up Jonas after they had a nice season last year with Jonas. And I felt like Jonas was a guy they got undervalued when they got him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the type of guy that I think smart teams always capitalize on. He's, he was sort of what Chris Paul was the Phoenix for them. Like they got their center that nobody really thought was worth anything and 
he made them a much better team. And interestingly enough, so then as I started thinking about it, I'm like, well, they're getting Steven Adams, who's a similar quality player um, as Jonas, and they're getting Bledsoe, who, whose value couldn't be lower right now. Yeah. Who I think could rebound there. And I don't like his position there is weird with John and, and some of their other players. But I think Bledsoe still has some tread left on the tire where he could still become one of those veteran players that, you know, is the type of guy that I, if, if, I'm running a team I'd be trying to get because I, I know I can get him cheap. Like he's the type of guy this year we probably could have got for the James Johnson contract mm-hmm. last year. And I think Bledsoe could have helped this team more than Ricky did, even though I like Ricky better. Yep. Um, but I, I, you know, it, I think it's a sneaky, smart move by Memphis. You know, they, at first I didn't like it, but the more I think about it, the more I, I like it. And I like it for New Orleans as well, because I think, you know, Jonas can help, Zion a little bit more in the on the offensive side of the ball than maybe Adams could, but um, yeah, we'll see. I, interesting move for sure. Yeah, you know Memphis or the Grizzlies went out and um, I'm sorry, New Orleans went out and they drafted Trey Murphy um, with the 17th pick tonight, which I think was a really good pick and to add some spacing uh, for Zion. He was a 50, 40, 90 guy um, in college. He's a you know 20 year old junior, so he's he played for a few years in college, but he's not incredibly old yet. He's not a, a 22-year-old guy, kid coming in. But um, So I like that pick for them. Um, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, I've always been a big fan of Eric Bud. So ever since he entered the league with the Clippers, I thought that he was kind of the prize to go after um, in the Chris Paul trade. And I, I when they ended up getting uh, Eric Gordon instead, I thought that that might not have been the right guy to choose. Um, so I have always been a big fan of his. Even when he was in Milwaukee, I tried to defend him and I thought that he wasn't as bad as it looked, but watching Drew Holiday come in this year and play the way that he did for Milwaukee, where he wasn't an incredible offensive player. He was very streaky with his shot and at times he looked completely lost, but he was just probably one of the best guard defenders in the league, if not the best all throughout the playoffs, I, that's who I thought in my head Eric Bledsoe was. I thought he was that level of a defender, and he could be streaky as an offensive player, and I was wrong. I mean, he is a level below that. He's an incredible athlete, or at least he was, and maybe he holds 90% of that, 95% of that still, but I still really like him. I like him as a fit yeah, on the right team. But You loved him a few years ago, because I, yeah. I remember the quote from you was that he was the the point guard version of LeBron James. I, that was, that was not me. That was a public thing. Like he was, that was like his nickname coming out of college. I think he was, a. Uh, I felt like, I, I feel like you were buying into that though. Sure. <laughs> like I, the, the, you, cause I remember, I, and I, I've always liked him as well. I, I, I guess the reason why I remember it that way is cause I just, I don't remember liking him as much as you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what I was going to say is I think both things that you just said are true that, he was getting a little bit of an unfair rap in Milwaukee, but that Drew Holiday was also outplayed him because Drew Holiday is just better than him. I think yeah. Drew Holiday go, went to Milwaukee as the most underrated player in the NBA, potentially, certainly one of them. And I think even this season, he was one of the most underrated players. And I think his value showed up when it mattered most in the finals. And right. now people are like, wow, that was a genius move. Um, I do remember, I don't remember who it was, but different people 
kind of chirping about like, oh, why why did they make the move to get Drew Holiday? He seems he looks like he's washed up, and, you know. Um, I think of, he just seemed like a weird guy to put all your chips on the table for. Like he he wasn't like a superstar. It was like a desperation move. I yeah. think they thought because yeah. you know Giannis last year, you know, got the contract, but leading up to that, they were like, oh, is he is he gonna stay? Is he gonna ask right. to be moved? You know, and so I think from the outside looking in, people thought that, that they were just making that move to make a move to keep Giannis happy. Um, I don't, I, I think it was just a brilliant move. I, I think that team is built really, really well. I think everybody there has a, has a specific spot. And I think you're right. I think what you just said that you thought Eric Bledsoe was the guy that Drew Holiday is. Yeah. I think Milwaukee thought that exact same thing. Right. Um, and I think maybe Bledsoe could have been, you know, Bledsoe kind of went in there, kind of nicked up. He had some, you know, lingering health issues and he still might. I mean, he, he's just not as he, there's not as much tread left on his tires as there is on Drew Holiday's, I guess. If I'm going to use that same analogy I used a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I do think there's value there with him. And I don't know, maybe Memphis buys him out and lets him go, or moves him on another deal um, because of the, you know, John Morant is already there and and whatnot. But um, I also could see him going to Memphis and really fitting their style of play because he can bully guys around because of his size and his his um athleticism and stuff at the point guard position yeah and you know the, the big question for him is going to be fit it's going to be what role does he take on in memphis because he's not going to start a point guard you know that's jaw's spot so does he come in as a shooting guard does he play the third guard role you know it, it's really going to depend on how he fits in there um, the big question for new orleans coming out of this is that everybody's saying they made this trade with the eye on having cap space to bring in a significant player they want to go for a veteran kind of like try to find their chris paul kyle lowry's been a big rumor there so they think or the the story has been that they're going to have about 25 million dollars in cap space uh, heading into the offseason but that's that's if they let lonzo ball walk um which for some reason it seems like they're going to it seems like every team in the league would like to have lonzo ball except for new orleans so maybe they know something nobody else does since they, they've had him the last couple of years or Maybe they're the crazy ones. At this point, they haven't had a, a very great, you know, really great run the last couple of years. Anyway, they haven't made a ton of great choices, especially with their coaching, you know, coaching hires and the contracts they've given out. So maybe they're just missing out on Lonzo Ball, and they're going to hire, you know, signing somebody that's not as good as him, you know, for way more money. But um, they're looking to bring on their their Chris Paul, their veteran, to try to push him over the top. And I don't know, Chad, do you think they're do you think it's the time for them? Do you think it's ready for them to push their chips in, or do you think they're panicking because of Zion's pressure? Yeah, I think they're panicking. I think it's the same thing that Mo- that I don't think Milwaukee did this last year, but I I think that that was the perception of what Milwaukee was doing. Milwaukee had already accomplished a lot more than what New Orleans has so far, but I do think New Orleans is panicking a little bit. I do think I don't think they're panicking on the Lonzo front. I think the reason why they are ready to move on from Lonzo is because. Lonzo and Zion are problematic together um, because of the spacing that everybody's trying to get. I, they don't have that with those two guys. Um, so I get that part of it. I, I don't get the Kyle Lowry piece, and I am a, as big a Kyle Lowry fan as there is outside of Toronto because um, I've loved him as a player. I loved him at Villanova. I, I, you know, I love the guy, but I think his window is too short for what New Orleans rest of their team's window is so i don't get why you would spend that kind of money on on kyle lowry to bring him in there and you know maybe that won't be what happens so it could be one of those situations where that's their target and then they miss out on lowry because lowry signs someplace else Mm -hmm. and they end up with nobody 
between him and Monzo and right. Bledsoe. <laughs> you know, like they end up taking somebody off the scrap heap. You know, maybe, maybe they get a Schroeder now because, you know, it seems like he's all but out of L.A. Um, and if Lonzo goes to Chicago, you know, they get their number one choice instead of Schroeder, who'd be their number two choice. And maybe New Orleans ends up there. But then is Schroeder an upgrade over Lonzo? I don't think he is. I think he's, you know, a downgrade. Um, so it's a weird situation for New Orleans, but I, I think it's a desperate one because you have Zion and he's already made comments or his family has mm-hmm. that he's unhappy. And they're like, Oh no, what do we do? If we lose him, we already like mortgaged the future to got rid of Anthony Davis because he was unhappy and we got Zion and now Zion's going to be unhappy. Like, yeah, that's, that's a team that looks like it's not long for the city. <laughs> if exactly. that happens. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, I was listening to the the Low Post, the Zach Low podcast, and he had Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN on, and they were talking largely about the draft, but they did talk about the New Orleans situation because the trade had just gone down. And the theory that they put out, I can't remember which one of the three of them it was, but I think it's kind of floating around right now, is maybe Lonzo just isn't a point guard. Maybe he's just a shooting guard at this point. And yeah, he can be great in transition, and he can push the ball, and he can play with tempo, but He's not going to be your primary ball handler in the half court, and he's not a good off-the-bounce three-point shooter, but he's a really great spot-up three-point shooter. So at this point, if you start looking at Lonzo as a as an off-guard, maybe that changes just his trajectory completely and the, his value rather than just looking at the things he can't do. So, you've, I mean, you've been driving the Lonzo train for as long as anybody, so uh, I think he's, yeah, he's no, getting I, a lot of the recognition that uh, he deserves, and I think he's going to get a good contract out of it. Yeah, and I... I mean, I get what they're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I, I would say I, I don't know that he can't play point guard in the half court as well. I think they they just they use Zion in that sort of role. Like, he initiates a lot of the offense out of the half court because he's a freakishly scary body rolling downhill. So mm-hmm. everybody's going to get – I mean, he's the bowling ball that's going to knock all the pins out of the way. So it makes sense why he's the guy that's initiating so he can kick out to Alonzo for a yep. spot-up three. But – in a different, with a different players around him, I think he could be like, look, if if Chris Paul, let's say Chris Paul did end up going to LA, can't happen now, but say he did, and Phoenix was like, okay, they have um, Payne is also a free agent, and they're like, we're gonna miss out on Paul, and and maybe we don't want to bring Payne back as our starter, right? So if they wouldn't got Lonzo, I think Lonzo would fit really well in Phoenix, um, because you know they have another guard who can handle the ball a little bit yep. and um, initiate the offense. But it, it, I, I think it'd be one of those joint things. I think Booker could do it 50% of the time and, and Lonzo could. So I think, and, and there's lots of teams like that, right? Like that he could fit um, with a second guard because so many teams have sort of a combo guard for their two guard now. So I think he's, I, to me, Lonzo fits on almost every team. Yeah. <laughs> because you could find do, a role for Lonzo. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, can you find that role for 18 million or 20 million or 25 million? And what does that end up looking like for your team construction? So mm-hmm. uh, New Orleans has apparently decided that he's not their first choice. So, but luckily he's restricted. So maybe they can go after a couple guys and then just match an offer sheet if they miss out or strike out on the rest of their options. So, uh, but Chad, this is a draft night recap. Uh, and we've talked very little about the actual draft. Um, I don't want to do a, a one through thirty or one through one through sixty rundown, largely because this is largely still a a Timberwolves podcast, and the Timberwolves haven't had any picks yet. We are through pick fifty five uh, in live time, and the Timberwolves have not traded in or bought any second round picks. 
Uh, so let's do a quick recap of the top five because that's kind of where the story is going to be, and I don't think either of us have a lot of uh, insight into guys after that point. But the Pistons didn't surprise anybody. They went with Cade Cunningham, number one overall. Uh, I think that was kind of the consensus. There were some rumors that they were looking at Jalen Green uh, heading you know, into the last few days, but uh, from day one, Cunningham's looked like the guy. Uh, Houston went with Jalen Green, the 6'5 the shooting guard out of G- the G League. Um, that's not exactly unanimous in where they should have, or in the opinions of where they should have gone. Lots of people said Evan Mobley, Mobley would have been the guy there. Um, but Houston, I think that wasn't surprised either. They've been rumored to be locked in on him for, if not a, you know, at least a week, if not more. Uh, when Houston's got like Christian Wood, who was really good for them. They last have year, they yeah. have a big. They could have two. You know, Cleveland, who ended up taking Mobley at third, they still have Jared Allen and Kevin Love and Larry Nance. So it's not like you when you're that low or in that position, you really make a pick out of fit. So Houston at some point had to you know believe that. Jalen Green was had the higher star. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, I don't. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not suggesting they were picking forfeit. I'm just. Yeah. I think they might must have liked Green a lot, and we're like, eh. And Wood was, you know, one of the surprises that we we got last year. So why why, uh, why take the guy just because everybody else is telling us Mobley's better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we can get the guy we like and still have our big. So. Yeah, I mean, you got to do your own scouting. You can't just go off of consensus, which comes up again here for number four. The Toronto Raptors took Scotty Barnes, which was the first big surprise of the night. Uh, that one was a big surprise to me. Yeah, I think Jalen Suggs had been penciled in there for ever since the lottery, uh, that he would be the fourth guy, and maybe he wasn't in that top tier with the, with the first three, but he was supposed to be in a tier of his own at number four, and uh, Scotty Barnes ends up sliding up another wing who might not be able to shoot from Florida State, but uh, he's got the size and the defensive capabilities that a lot of guys before him have come out with. You know, uh, Jonathan Isaac or whatever happened to be. There's been a long string of those guys, and uh, and then the top five was closed out by Jalen Suggs finally going to Orlando, which was a pick, um, a pick I really like. Just and that's just mostly because I really like Jalen Suggs. Um, more so than his specific fit, but I don't think Orlando really had anything that they needed to avoid talent for. You know, Cole Anthony and uh, Fultz. Fultz weren't exactly the types of players that you're going to just pass on the best player for. So um, that's the top five. You know, lots of lots of picks after that point. But Chad, what besides the the Scotty Barnes pick, what was the biggest surprise of the night for you? Um, I mean, I. I... Probably that Suggs did go to Orlando because I actually thought, you know, they seemed to really like both Anthony and Fultz. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I, I think, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Orlando took him. I think Orlando was surprised that he was there. I think that's what. And so they're like, I think they did the right thing. They're like, well, he's the best player on the board, and there's a, there's probably a pretty big drop after him, to you know, it, all the guys that were picked after him. I can't. I was trying to think of a guy that might close but i can't i think because to me suggs was the third best player um in this draft but they uh so i i you know i'm sort of stammering over this because i don't know that it's fair to say it's surprising i just think orlando was caught in a position yeah. where okay he's the best player. You know, it's sort of the reverse of what happened to the wolves uh the culver year because i think that i do think the wolves traded up to take garland yeah and then they got caught like oh we didn't even fathom that this could have happened that Cleveland would have taken yet another point guard 
so here we are stuck and now what do we do this isn't going to plan the reverse happened to Orlando it's sort of a happy accident that the better player ended up being available to them so exactly uh, it looked like they were staring down a lot of players that were very similar to what they already had you know in Scotty Barnes with a big or a forward that isn't necessarily a shooter they don't need another one of those guys they've been having those guys for years so to have a guy like Suggs fall in their lap and to be a two-way guard immediately that's going to be able to contribute and start adding some relevancy or some some competitiveness to them from day one is going is really great and I, I really like that pick um the first one that i mean like the scotty barnes pick took me off guard um i didn't see that one coming but then the first one that the first player that came through that i had never even heard of was joshua primo for the spurs they came they took him number 12 he's an 18 year old who reclassified and not even you know close to being able to contribute right away but uh, that one that one got me a little bit. I it didn't really yeah. seem like a, a Spursy pick. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to go Sengun. Yeah, because uh, there, was, there was talk about that, but it's, he also seemed to kind of fit. Um, so yeah, that one was a little bit of a surprise for me as well. Yeah, um, Sam Vecini from the Athletic had him ranked as his thirty fourth best prospect, pros, best prospect. So to have the Spurs jump in at twelve and take him without moving back at all just seemed very. Uh, I don't know. You always think of the Spurs as an organization that's going to find a way to trade down if they like a guy, or they're going to figure, you know, try to make the most of their assets. And well, and that's what's. I, I guess that would be the other surprising thing to me in this draft. And I didn't do nearly as much draft research as I normally do because the Wolves didn't have any picks. But from the little bit that I did do, there was a bunch of guys in that sort of sixteen through twenty-two that sort of, I think most people expected to go in that you know, 10 to 15 range. Yeah. And all of a sudden all these guys are available, which I think kind of shows why there were so many trades in that group too, because there were a number of trade deals in those during, through those picks, because I think teams are like, Holy smokes. You know, you got Trey Murphy's available. Kai Jones is available. Keon Johnson's available. You know, guys that I thought would have been picks 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Um, even Sangoon, who I just mentioned, who I thought the Spurs might take, drop into 16. You know, so there, there's, I think that was the the middle of the draft. The, the players that went in the order they went was a little bit surprising. I, I guess like Zaire Williams, I, you know, I think I saw some people were surprised by that at, at 10. Um, that doesn't surprise me that much. I actually think that was a pretty heady pick. I think Zaire could end up being like the Jaden McDaniels of this year, but maybe a little higher ceiling because... Mm-hmm. He was one of those highly touted guys and just went, you know, wasn't a good fit at the college level. And then now coming to the pros, also people are like, oh, why was he drafted 10th? He should have been fifth, you know, kind of deal. Um, so I, I, I liked that one. But, yeah, the primo one was weird. Um, even Franz Wagner, I'm, you know, I'm not as high on him. Um, you know, I don't know where he was projected. I, I don't recall. But he'd been moving was... up recently. There were rumors that he could go as high as seven to Golden State. Okay, so he went a little bit after that, so nothing too incredibly surprising. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think we need to put a bow on the Andrew Wiggins, D'Angelo Russell trade, knowing now knowing that uh, Golden State got Jonathan Kaminga with the number seven overall pick. I don't know if I feel like if I feel confident in Kaminga's future. He seems like he has a very high ceiling and a very low floor. Um, but at the same time, he's a guy that just through the draft coverage and through the reporting I've seen, is just a guy I like. And, you know, just kind of a the per, a type of personality and um, 
somebody who, you know, I saw a report that he was finally able to see his family, his parents and his brothers for the first time in six years after coming over from Africa to play basketball. And, um, you know, just I just feel for a guy like that who's just really given up everything to try to make his way. And, you know, trying to play in the G League with men last year as an 18-year-old, you know, he reclassified a lot similar to what Ant did the year before. And uh, I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know if he's going to be... the best player out of this draft or anything like that, but he has the physical size, the physical tools to do it. And he's, he's got the moves. So it's just a matter of, can he put it all together? And I'll be cheering for him, even though I kind of hate golden state. I'll, he's a guy that I, I like, and I would like to see him go somewhere else, but hopefully he puts it together there. Well, I, I, I agree that I wish he would have gone somewhere else just for the fact that that was our pick. And that would have been the guy I wanted at seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, even though I'm not exactly sure how he fits here either with all our guys at those positions, but you know, I would in my head Beasley would be flipped for a, a big, and then you have a spot for a sixth six man kind of guy, and and maybe he starts off there. Uh, but I do think it was a it was a good pick for the Warriors. It was it was uh, not what I expected them to do. I expected them based off some of the things you know the type of guys they were going after um, and through trades and whatnot to be just more of a three-point threat and Kaminga I think's got a little bit more to offer you know on the defensive end of the um, court and and some of the other intangibles I think isn't what we've been hearing the Warriors but you and I were kind of talking earlier today and I was kind of ripping on the the idea of the Warriors adding Bradley Beal Mm -hmm. not not because of Beal I mean Beal's terrific but it's just like little very little imagination just to throw out a all the best three-point shooters you can possibly acquire and just saying, you know, whoever's open, shoot it. Right. You know, it's just, I just don't find find that all inspiring, but um, I don't think Kaminga is like that. I mean, he's got a three-point shot to him, but that's not what he's going to be making his money on at the NBA level. I think he's going to be more of an all-around kind of guy. So, yeah, I'll be cheering for him. I hope he does well. Um, Anybody else from tonight that you like? Anybody that you've been watching as they enter into the league or any picks that you thought were really good fits? So my, my favorite player in this draft was Evan Mobley. And so to me, the the Cavaliers get him. And I know a little bit ago we were just talking about how, you know, they have a, a couple of our big men like Jared Allen and Kevin Love, who I don't think will be there. Mm-hmm. And um, Larry Nance, who I also don't think I'll probably be there so I think he'll have a spot um but I just I think he'll I, li- I like Kate Cunningham too I mean I like a lot of guys in this draft I just to me Mobley was the guy that's got the highest ceiling of the group I think um I think you know I know a lot of people compare him to Chris Bosh you know again I've done very little draft research but of the you know the most I've done was on the top couple guys um and those are the guys you watch in the tournament and everything else anyway so I've seen more of those guys um but to me, Mobley, he could be, in my mind, sort of that Giannis role mm-hmm. that Giannis fills for Milwaukee, where he can kind of just be the anchor everywhere. I, you know, I don't know if he's got the, the same mental makeup as Giannis in terms of. I think he's a high quality kid, but I don't know if he's got sort of that drive to be great that Giannis has. Um, so that that's yet to be seen. You, you won't know that just from reading scouting reports and watching youtube highlight reels <laughs> but yeah. i i i really like him so i think that's you know the cavaliers are a sneaky weird team with lots of intriguing pieces kind of like the way we were talking about atlanta before the season this last year 
about having a lot of pieces that we liked. Um, at least for me, like I like in Atlanta, I like Collins and DeAndre Hunter a lot. Those are the two guys I like coming into the season. Um, now you look at Cleveland, you know, and I, I'm not huge on Sexton and Garland, but they're interesting pieces that, you know, if they had one of them, I might like whatever one they get right. better. Yep. Um, and then they have a bunch of like Jared Allen. I like Okongo. I like, I mean, I, Larry Nance, who's not really as young as those guys, but I like his game. And now getting Evan Mobley, the, the the guy I like best in this draft, I they're it's it's a bummer. Ricky went there because it's not a team I want to have to watch. But <laughs> if he stays, that might be a team I watch because there's a lot of pieces there I like now. Yeah, there really are. And I think next week when we come back, we're going to take a look at this the landscape of the league. Uh, free agency won't be quite uh, complete yet, but I believe it will probably be underway. And we're going to take a look at where the Wolves stand up against uh, the 29 other teams. We're going to say if we had a chance to start a team with the Wolves roster or the rosters on, and the future assets of the other teams, where, where do we think we would rank the Wolves and how would we pick it? So uh, we're going to take a look at you know teams like Cleveland, teams like some of these playoff teams that just moved out, or teams that have just got, you know, Detroit just got Cade Cunningham. Would they move ahead of the Wolves in terms of future power rankings the way that ESPN does it? Or... You know, where would we rank them and where are we going to put them? So uh, we're going to do that next week. We're going to come back and really take a, a, a shot at that and try to figure out how do the Wolves look. Maybe they may have made another trade, made another free agent signing by then to really shape this roster out. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll be sitting there with uh, Torian Prince as their starting power forward. Who knows? But we'll, uh, we'll give it a shot and we'll be back next week. Chad, I want to thank you again for coming on late tonight after the draft. The draft is now complete. That was pick number 60 to the Bucks, selecting... Georgios Karatsakis of Greece. I butchered that name. There's no way I said it correctly, but he was the, the final pick of the draft, and now it comes down to undrafted free agents, and Rosas always likes finding one or two of those guys, so we'll see who, who's on the roster in the morning. Yeah, or you know, in a few minutes, if he's uh, as quick to the trigger as he, he has been in recent years. Yeah. I think Rosas is still supposed to speak tonight. He's not going to be able to talk about the Rubio trade because it hasn't been made official yet. Um, but we'll see if he should be, should be a short, short, yeah, I don't know what else he's going to talk about. So, um, he's going to say all, all the stuff they're just going to be waiting to hear all the, well, we had lots of conversations. We had opportunities to make moves. We didn't, we didn't like any of the moves for our, for our organization at this time. Um, the one move we did make, we won't, we can't talk about yet. Mm -hmm. We're still actively engaged, engaged on multiple fronts. Yep. We think it's going to be a very active off season for us. We still think the best. Pathway to improvement is through trade. Well, clearly, because we didn't make any picks. Yep. Uh, so it should be should, should be a just a barn burner of a presser. Absolutely. <laughs> if it lasts more than 10 minutes, I'd be surprised. Yeah. So, all right, Chet. I'll talk to you next week, and uh, go get some sleep. All right, man. You too. Take care. Bye.